We've spent the last two weeks talking about lots of really important health policies, but the healthcare issue that continues to disrupt many of our lives the most right now has to be the pandemic. As president, the first step I will take we to get control of the virus that has ruined so many lives. Today, we wrap up our series on healthcare and the presidential election by exploring former Vice President Joe Biden's plan to tackle COVID-19. From the Annenberg Studio at the University of Pennsylvania, I'm Dan Gorenstein, and this is Tradeoffs. So let's begin with the most important issue right now, the coronavirus and what you would do as president in the face of it. Vice President Biden, let me start with you. We're in Joe Biden unveiled his COVID-19 plan when he was running for the Democratic nomination this spring. There are three pieces of this. First of all, and he talked about it when he accepted that nomination in August. If I'm your president on day one, we'll implement the national strategy I've been laying out since March. Today, we've got another three-hack play for y'all, each featuring a different expert breaking down part of Biden's plan. Act one, testing. We'll develop and deploy rapid tests with results available immediately. I am Brooke Nichols. I'm an assistant professor at the Boston University School of Public Health, and I am an infectious disease mathematical modeler and a health economist. I know the president likes to talk about how we're doing more tests than any other country in the world, and it is true. Uh, Last I saw, we're doing more than about 5 million tests a week. But experts like you say we need to be doing closer to something like 30 million, with most of those being rapid tests. At a high level, Brooke, what's stopping us from doing enough tests right now? The short answer is that we don't have enough. We don't have enough tests. So... We need the rapid development and deployment of these rapid tests that we can really get our results straight away. These rapid tests are different from the so-called PCR tests that make up most of the market right now. PCR tests involve complex lab processing that can take days to turn around. Some patients report waiting more than 10 days to learn whether they have the virus, or by that point, had the virus. Health authorities Rapid tests can be run at the office, a neighborhood pharmacy, or even in your living room with results in minutes. It's about the size of a credit card and works with similar technology to a home pregnancy test. Could be cheaper, faster, and simpler. Brooks says production of these tests is just beginning to ramp up, though, and we're a long way from having the supply experts say that we need. So that's the fundamental problem. Vice President Biden has an extensive plan to fix this. In one word or phrase, how would you describe that plan ambitious (laughs) go go on you said one word (laughs) go on how exactly does biden propose to increase testing so first he wants to set up a pandemic testing board so instead of each state acting alone this would really be the federal government sort of dictating how we can allocate resources over time where hotspots are occurring and sort of making our plans accordingly He wants to double the number of drive-through testing sites. And then finally, the sort of the critical piece of all of this is the development and deployment of rapid tests that will give you an immediate test result. So Brooke, how does this plan stack up against what we need to do based on the evidence that we have so far? Yeah, so 
on the broad level, this is what we need in terms of testing. We need to be able to rapidly scale up testing capacity. We need immediate results. And sort of these rapid tests are what can get us there. A lot of public health experts agree on this point. The other side of the coin is that there's concern that these tests are less precise, so they won't give you the correct answer as often. But let's say we can only do 5 million a week, and let's say 4.8 million are correct. And then let's say we can all of a sudden do 30 million a week, but only 20 million are correct. We still have more people with that correct result. Um, so even though like the proportion that's correct is lower, we still have a greater absolute number of people that have that correct result and can act on it. So let's assume he gets congressional approval. What could actually trip up Biden's plan? The main thing that could trip up the plan is we haven't talked about human behavior. So A, there needs to be uptake. People need to use them. And then second, people need to act appropriately based on the test result. Um, And I think it's asking, it's expecting a lot that all Americans will be fully adherent to taking the tests and to acting on the results. Biden is calling for the federal government to cover paid leave for anyone who gets COVID or has to care for someone who has COVID, which may help address this adherence issue. Do you have an idea, Brooke, of the price tag of Biden's plan? A lot. It'll cost a lot. Um, but is it worth it is like the classic health economist question. You know, if we can implement this plan starting in January, we implement it over January, February, March, and then, you know, we reap the benefits throughout the spring, you know, like let's say a vaccine comes in the fall of 2021, then at least we've bought ourselves six months of sort of a normal life. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Act two, PPE and supply chains. We'll make the medical supplies and protective equipment that our country needs. And we'll make them here in America. My name is Nicolette Lewis-Saint. I serve as the executive director of Healthcare Ready, a national nonprofit organization focused on supply chain preparedness and response. Why do you think something as critical and essential as supply chain is so often, not always, but is so often such an afterthought. (laughs) We tend to take things for granted when they work day in and day out. And we only focus on them or complain about them when they are not working. So more often than not, supply chains are working. And so we don't have a reason to focus on them or complain about them. Even at this point in September... I still feel like I'm hearing a lot of stories about physicians, nursing homes, 
and other folks not having enough PPE. Personal protective equipment. This is still a real problem. When so many skilled nursing facilities have less than a one-week supply of N95 masks, surgical masks... In one word or phrase, how would you describe Biden's plans on shoring this up? I think his plans are strong but incomplete. It recognizes that there is a need to increase production. There is a need to address potential vulnerabilities. There's a role of the federal government to make sure that those stockpiles are stronger. There does need to be better coordination with the private sector. That's why I say it's strong, but it's incomplete in that the nuance, the details, the, the, the policy blueprint of how they're going to be able to achieve those plans. It's really difficult for a system like a supply chain to have a plan in, you know, 2000 words or less. So you're talking about his plans to ramp up production by using what's called the Defense Production Act. And this is a law that would force companies to make more supplies like PPE and also having what Biden has called a national supply commander to oversee distribution across the country. But all of that really just gets at the most immediate problem. He also has plans beyond the current crisis. What do those look like? So in the plans, there is language about um, a 100-day review process um, to determine the best way to proceed towards building supply chain resilience in a mid and a long term. But then there's this other piece about domestic manufacturing. Let's use this opportunity to take bold investments in American industry and innovation so the future is made in America, all in America. I have been cautioning against that as a a single strategy. If we're bringing production back to the U.S., the assumption is it won't matter, you know, the next time we need the product, it'll already be here. That's not how supply chains work. Supply chains are global. Let's say, God forbid, something happens in the U.S. and we don't have geographical resilience. Then what? So has Biden talked about partnerships abroad or anything like that? Yes. So I think that a big part of his plan has been manufacturing, but there's a recognition that we do need to work with international partners. So this is why I think that 100-day review of supply chains is really important, because I think that's the opportunity to actually create an evidence base for whatever the actions are. And that's what I'm hoping for. Act three, masks. We'll have a national mandate to wear masks. Not as a burden, but as a patriotic duty to protect one another. I'm Dr. Lena Nguyen. I'm an emergency physician and public health professor at George Washington University. And I previously served as the health commissioner for the city of Baltimore. So right now, more than 30 states have some kind of mask mandate in place. But we have no national mandate. President Trump is opposed to the concept. In one word or phrase, what does... Vice President Joe Biden want to do here? One phrase would be that he wants to have a national strategy of which a national mask mandate is a critical part. So, Lena, Biden has said he would, quote, do everything possible to require people to wear a mask in public. But how would he actually implement this mandate? There are different ways of getting to a mask mandate as the U.S. There could be a top-down federal approach. Wouldn't you use your federal leverage to mandate that, though? Yes. And you would you? Yes, I would. From an executive standpoint, yes, I would. Or there could be convincing the states to each apply their individual state mandates. And I'd go to governors related, Republican and Democratic governors, and I'd say, 
we have to have this national mandate. But the challenges of getting any of that to happen is the same. It's not just a question of having the mandate on the books. You also need people to abide by them. And so what does enforcement look like? And so I think ultimately having a national mask mandate is important because it sets the right tone. It will also set the right tone if all of our leaders are going to be modeling the type of behavior that we expect everyone to have, including wearing masks in public places. After he wrapped up a campaign event here, we came no closer than eight feet apart and we kept our masks on the whole time. Joe Biden says we need to see more of that. But we also need to be convincing people, too. And I think that's going to be um, Vice President Biden's biggest challenge. Right. Because even though we know from evidence that mask wearing and mask mandates in many places have been effective, we also know that about 40% of people who aren't wearing masks say it's because it's their right as an American. Lena, big picture here. What do you like about Vice President Biden's plan and what worries you? My thoughts about the vice president's plan on mask mandates is similar to the benefits and the concerns about his plan overall on COVID-19. It is science-based. It does outline a coherent national strategy. The problem is that that national strategy would work if it's applied today. We just don't know what's going to happen between now and January. And the question, the big question that's going to face Vice President Biden if he were to become president in January is how is he going to regain the trust of the American public? Ultimately, public health depends on public trust. There's a lot at stake in this election when it comes to health policy, from COVID-19 to the price of prescription drugs to the future of the Affordable Care Act. We hope this series helps you better understand the candidates' positions. You can find all of our reporting, including a detailed breakdown of Trump's record and Biden's plans, on our website, tradeoffs.org slash Trump Biden. I'm Dan Gorenstein, and this is Tradeoffs. The 2020 race was supposed to be all about healthcare. Then 2020 happened. Healthcare only has emerged as a top issue in elections when there aren't other major crises in America. And unfortunately, in 2020, I feel like every day we have a new crisis. We check back in with Kaiser Family Foundation pollster Ashley Kurtzinger on the role healthcare is playing this election. Next time on Tradeoffs. If you enjoyed today's episode of Tradeoffs, keep in touch with us between episodes by signing up for our newsletter. Just click the big orange button at the top of our website, tradeoffs.org. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at TradeoffsPod, and you can really help us out by giving us a rating on Apple Podcast. It helps other listeners find us. The Tradeoffs team is producers Ryan Levy and Vicki Stern, intern Sabrina Ems, communication and marketing manager Emily Patterson, researcher Jamie Song, partnerships lead Jessica Silverman, sound designer Andrew Perella, and editor Leslie Walker. The Tradeoffs theme song was composed by Ty Sitterman with additional music from Blue Dot Sessions. Additional thanks to Christina Silcox, Glenn Cohen, Aaron Fox, Sandro Galea, Cheryl Healton, Willie Shi, Alina Salganikov, Maya Mannion, Rachel Sachs, Walid Jalad, and the Tradeoffs Advisory Board. Tradeoffs is supported in part by the California Healthcare Foundation and Arnold Ventures. Additional support from the Leonard Davis Institute of Health Economics and the Center for Public Health Initiatives at the University of Pennsylvania. 
The views expressed in this episode are those of the individuals and not those of trade-off staff, advisors, or funders. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.